It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being VC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Are we still doing COVID weeks? I, I forget. Man, man, I've been lost count. Like, literally, I do not know what week we are in. What I can I tell I you, though, that every week. Go ahead. Right, though, but what I can tell you is, I, I've gotten out the house a little bit more. I've I've driven down to see my mom, which is awesome. Good. Uh, I went down to see my nephew last weekend. We had four people graduate in the family, <laughs> so that was awesome. We did the whole drive by, blow the horn. You know how that thing is. Uh, have you seen those like folks on Instagram dancing for their like uh, uh, high school graduations and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. People have way more time than I do. Like, I need to be a better planner because it's awesome. Yo, but let me tell you, I don't miss video games when I was growing up. But trust me when I tell you, these young folks are having a ball uh, when they are coming out of high school, like major expectations. So shout out to all of the graduates. We've lost track. But what we have not lost track of is uh, where we are. And I think about all of these organizations, Julie, that are dropping their Black Lives Matter statements. Uh, And I kind of know how you feel. I think the thing that really drives me crazy right now uh, are the individuals who are arguing still for all lives matter. Uh, And they're purposefully, I mean, they're purposefully not trying to understand the moment in which we are in. Are you seeing that or am I missing something? No, no, you're you're spot on it and the... The statements, the corporate statements that are coming out are so tone deaf when I have to hear about diversity and inclusion for all. I think the Pope put out a really nice statement a couple weeks ago saying, yo, it's not about you. It's about racism. It's about getting um, this injustice taken care of. And as as a Catholic, you should be focusing on that. And I, I think that there is still a lot of challenge um, when it comes to people feeling, A, comfortable, getting it right, um, B, not stirring the pot because people are scared to stir the pot. We don't have that problem, but other people are. And B, those who are just, or C, those who are just willfully ignorant to what's happening in the world. Oh, man. Did you all hear Julie? She said willfully ignorant. (laughs) So listen, so here's what I think is amazing. We have a guest today and I can tell you it is only because we have a guest that Julie was on her best behavior when she said willfully ignorant, because all of you out there listening know that had we not had a guest, there would have been another phrase of words uh, inserted in that particular moment. But I feel you, my dear. I absolutely do. And so that brings me to the point. I want to just talk about a quick, quick story before we bring up our guest. Yeah, it's something that I saw over. In uh, entrepreneur.com. We'll put the link in the uh, show notes as we always do. The title is It Doesn't Take a Rocket Scientist to Solve the Racism Problem in Business. Seriously, that's the title. Okay. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to solve the racism problem in business. And so the article, Julie, highlights Mary Spio. I met Mary back in 2014 uh, at the very first Black Tech Week down in Miami. Shout out to Felicia and Derek Pearson. Mary actually served time in the Air Force. She's a veteran. 
she created content and technologies for companies like Bowen, Lucasfilm, Universal Music, Miami's Children's Hospital, Microsoft, Xbox. And today she is the leader of Seek Virtual Reality. Uh, and the reason I, I want people to read this article is because she lays out really clear steps that individuals of no matter what your role is in the organization, steps that you can consider uh, towards diversifying, increasing representation inside of your organization. And as I close out on this particular piece, I want you to read the article because for all of our listeners, Julie and our guests included, where's the black unicorn? Like we know of the unicorns, the Airbnbs, the Facebooks, the Dropboxes, the uh, Stitch Fitch. We know of the unicorns, but where's the black unicorn? Where's the Hispanic unicorn? Where's the Native American unicorn? The person with a disability, where is that leader who has been hoisted up to be a unicorn? So I want everyone to read the article uh, make sure you share the pod as well as the link with others. And now we can enjoy our guest. Awesome. I think that's a really, really good point. I think I had one or two in mind, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for another discussion because I'd love to pick your brain on it. All right. um, now I'd love to welcome our guests. Uh, we've been working on getting Miss Cheryl Ellis on the or on the podcast um, for the last couple of months. Cheryl is a consultant with Augmented HR Solutions, and she specializes in ADA mediation. She's also the author of the newly published "Making It Work: Managing Your Health Condition Through ADA Workplace Accommodations." and the Making It Work Employee Handbook. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Uh, so let me jump in real quick uh, because uh, Ellis, I mean, I'm going to take dibs on this joint right here. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ellis, Ellis, look, I just want people to know that I'm absolutely unselfish. You, Cheryl, are the third Ellis on Crazy and the King. I be oh, number you're one. you're kidding. I must be uh -huh. related to one of them. I'm <laughs> just trying to tell you. I, I'm number one. Uh, uh, then we had James Ellis from Chicago, who I'm going to mention a bit later in the show. He was on uh, last year. And now we have you. And the joke is, uh, we have a joke. Um, there's a lady by the name of Brandy Ellis. You know Brandy, uh, Julie, uh, oh, yeah. with, with Symphony. Yep. So, so That is amazing. So Brandy <laughs> and James... Uh, we always laugh when we're together. We just bottom line is we say that we're related brothers and sisters. So it's all good. Thank you. Welcome. Absolutely. To <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. All right. So Cheryl, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into kind of this world of ADA compliance. Sure. So I've been an HR professional for about uh, over 20 years. And as an HR professional, I was working in California and um, I've had a health condition pretty much since my 20s and hit it like everybody else. And I was in California when I got in a car wreck, got injured, but then my health condition that I had exacerbated. So required me to have to ask for accommodation and a lot of accommodations. Um, it really put the spotlight as an HR consultant and I grew, worked with a group of them that wow, we need to do a better job of helping people with accommodations. And, you know, I, I actually was very lucky. I had a good company that worked with me, but 
what we realized is that we really needed to understand the process. But we also, I learned as an employee that I needed to understand the accommodation process too, the ADA. And so it just put their light on what really was missing in HR and what was missing with the employee. So from that journey, I got my master's in dispute resolution and conflict management and then uh, received my ADA certification and then decided I saw that there's no information out there in layman's terms to help employees understand their rights and responsibilities under the ADA, but also how to research, um, um, research, prepare, um, request and negotiate accommodations with the employer and in layman's terms to make it easy. I had to take almost 200 references in order to simplify this process. It was a two and a half year journey, but it was eye opener because I have learned working with employers and employees that the more the employee understands the process and does some of their own research, it makes it so much easier for both parties and the success rate is so much higher. So that's how the book actually started. And then I decided to do the workbook because I wanted individuals to apply what they learn in the book to their particular situation, have a letter to use or have um, some verbal words to use when they're requesting the accommodation. So um, I wanted to make it easy and as transparent as possible, but I also wanted it to be a book and workbook that the employer can use also or the employee can use with the employer. Hey, so Cheryl, let me ask you, is it a workbook and a book or one yes. in the same? Nope, so it's, the, a, it's they're separate. So you can actually just um, buy the book and then download the workbook or you can buy a printed copy because some people like having, you know, kind of a pretty copy that they present to their employer. Uh, so they can also do that. Um, there's an on Amazon. There's it's available in print also. So who's the ideal audience? Is it the leader? Is it, it the, is the employee. So the employee, but what I've been doing because the employee doesn't, um, I'm teaching the interactive process and a lot of, uh, for a lot of individuals because a lot of um, employers do not know how to talk to their employee about requesting accommodation and what that process looks like. So that's why I'm encouraging employers to reference it also and not to be afraid of this. This is not an us against them. This is about working together and about, about you know, education. I would say it's one of those laws that really requires the employee to really understand um, this process because they're the ones that have the health condition. They're the ones that are being infected. They're the ones that need the creativity and the change or the modification in the job. So the more information they can provide the employer, the easier the process is. Um, it, you know, although, you know, a lot of the responsibility technically under the ADA is the employer, but it makes it so much easier if the employee can contribute. I mean, they are required to help, you know, engage in the interactive process with the employer, but it really does help if they can bring some information to the table to help the employer out. So Cheryl, let's like, let's take a step back for a second. You said something that when you and I first met was a really interesting conversation. And one, you identify yourself as a person with a health condition, whereas I say I'm a person with a disability. You've chosen the, the term health condition, which is how you write the, the entirety of the book. I do. Um, and so from, from your perspective, when you were that person asking for an accommodation um, due to your health condition, can you talk through as a person what that experience was like for you when you didn't understand exactly what the process was? Very emotional. 
and very stressful. And I would even say stressful for the employer because at that time, and this was 12 or 13 years ago, it was still very new, the ADA and, and the implementations and the, you know, the Accommodation Act and having to use it. So having having a resource and really having some um, information on how to have that dialogue would have been really helpful. And also what resources that could, that were out there to help me with this. Um, I really, I could tell the employer was as much as a loss at what to do as I was. Um, we had some basic foundations of how to help, but it, it was difficult because we both really didn't know how to have that conversation, right? They needed an employee that was productive and I needed to be productive, but I also needed to manage my health condition. And through that journey, that's how I learned about all these resources that were available to me to help me and to also help me have the conversations in a way that was, that worked because, you know, you're always selling yourself at work. So, you know, even when you're requesting accommodation, you know, how does that benefit the employer? So I, I didn't know how to have that conversation. You know, so that is and, and that puts a lot of stress on both because there's a lot of fear coming from both the employer and the employee. And the more that the employee can kind of come confidently with, you know, you're always going to be nervous, right? It's, it's an uncomfortable thing to do, but we're all going to get sick one day or another. Some, some people call themselves as having a disability. Some people like to call themselves as having a chronic health condition. Um, people come with different views of how they view themselves, but coming and, and being able to describe what you need to work is going to really help the whole conversation with your employer. Hey, Cheryl, so you said something <clears throat> that really touches on uh, a point that Julie often makes uh, and others that we have brought on um, that a lot of individuals, I, I forget the number, I apologize, but a lot of individuals experience uh, their disability through life. They, they secure mm -hmm. it, or I shouldn't say secure it, but it, it, it falls upon it. them. Yeah. They acquire it through life. And so are you, are you comfortable sharing back then what your request was for accommodation? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I had to go to part-time work. So I, I did that and I did telework. So those were the two things they did have to change the, and at that time they didn't have the desk where you did the adjustment of the desk where you could sit stand. So yeah. they changed my desk. Well, of course, um, at that time, you know, my condition was changing. So they had to keep changing my desk. So they were doing everything they could to try to help. But the manager that I had at the time, didn't understand the ADA. So although I was required to work for 20 hours, she was trying to get me to work more because her manager was pushing me because they didn't understand the ADA. And, you know, and it's not going to be uncommon that an employee is going to be with an employer that doesn't understand the ADA. And the book is really designed to help them understand how to have those conversations with the people that really have a difficult time. I mean, I'm seeing every day employers are really trying to understand and really trying to work with employees. But, you know, basically what happens is you're asking a manager sometimes and they really don't know in their thought processes, I am, I'm having to perform, right? They have to perform with their team. So if you can provide them with that information and give them some guidance or understand how to have that, um, that talk, it really does help. I think that's a great point. And one thing that Torn and I always talk about as well is just that, you know, maybe the HR manager or the hiring manager doesn't 
understand the ADA, mm-hmm. um, but we should be teaching our leaders to think more about our employees, our workforce is more than just a cog in our system, but right. as a, as a whole human being. And, and so, you know, if you need your desk adjusted, that's okay. And it's not something that, you know, sometimes I think as employers who have fear and risk mitigation and all of those things, they, they start from the place of opposition as opposed to the place of, this person is valuable to me as, as an employee, but they're also, you know, valuable to, to the community in this way. And we want to keep them up and productive in the best way that they can. And I think if we can start from a different mindset, um, from both an employer perspective and an employee perspective that changes the conversation and kind of in, into the question, one thing that we see a lot at disability solutions is that there isn't really much of a process um, right. within companies that's mm-hmm. well mapped out, that's well communicated, that's easy to understand. And we spend a lot of time working um, on that exact thing because managers don't aren't empowered and they aren't able to do that. Is What's kind of your experience been with um, how they manage accommodations internally, centralized, decentralized? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, that's, that's kind of the challenge. I'm actually doing a class um, in July uh, called The Key to Complete clients is the interactive process because that's exactly what I see is they do not have a process in place so they become fearful when somebody requests accommodation because they actually not sure what to do and how to handle it so I would say a lot of that that leadership response and the way they're responding to this risk mitigation type of thing is because they're not really educated they it is complicated the ADA I mean I'm writing this book and I think oh yeah I know it I know all this you know well I Uh didn't and it's complicated and so having a process that's simplified for everyone to kind of understand and to work with and to kind of figure out is is going to make it easier and you're going to see a change in leadership when they do have some of those systems in place and you are seeing companies uh, just like disability solutions um, is that they're wanting disability inclusion there are companies are trying uh, but what they're missing still is that whole, you know, once somebody requests accommodation, they're required to do with the interactive process. Well, what is that? They don't even know what that is. Uh, they don't have, um, and I've seen companies, 5,000 employees, and they don't have a, um, what I call a data management system in place, something to keep track of an accommodation process. I mean, yes. you're going to have a percentage that are very simple and straightforward, but then you're going to have ones that are complex and it may take months to figure out, or it becomes progressive or they get better. So the changes in the accommodations can be ongoing. We are humans and our lives change. We get older, we get sick, we get injured. You know, that's that's where, but I think what we're missing in leadership is they don't understand how to apply that. And, and when you don't know how to apply it, that's when you put the brakes on and that fear and that, you know, kind of uh, response. And also having a designated person to gather that information and to kind of do all the investigative work, but they're not the decision maker. So uh, somebody that can it can take that over. And I think they put too much on the manager to, managers to try to do that. I don't, um, depending on how big the company is, what their responsibilities, it's better to give, in my opinion, um, managers information on what to look for and some basic questions to ask, but then you know, have them send it over to the person who is the person who's going to process that accommodation because they're going to have people that actually aren't needing an accommodation under the ADA. Um, 
you know, maybe that they just don't like their manager and they, you know, want to request an accommodation. So that person who is the, what I call the ADA coordinator, uh, processes that and says, okay, is this where you think you need to be? You know, he explains the law, explains the expectations and stuff and finds out they're in the wrong place. So that helps to shorten some of the processes too, where someone doesn't belong in that place. Hey, Cheryl, so a quick question for you. It's been a while for me since I've been inside of corporate America. Mm-hmm. But you raise a very, very good point. You said uh, you're going to be uh, in the future, near future, providing a training session. Sure. This causes me to pause because I think about so many organizations that spend time on unconscious bias training. And mm-hmm. I am not a fan of unconscious bias training. Yeah. I'm not going to hit a soapbox, but I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> My thing is, why is it that organizations are willing to spend time on that issue versus something like let's have an ADA training. Let's go through some technical or digital journey around understanding ADA because we have so many individuals, whether they be seen or unseen in terms of their disability inside of our workplace on our teams. What's your opinion on why organizations invest so much on bias training versus ADA? You want my opinion? <laughs> yeah, I, see, I, don't, I don't think you were. I don't think you were and prepared to provide like academic okay. response. I mean, it's, so it's, it's, right, it, because I think it's a little bit more philosophical. Um, okay, you know, ahead. when I look at because uh, as an HR person, I remember how much I cre- here I have a disability, right? Or an ADA. I call it ADA disability. The reason I call it ADA disability is because the word disability, the connotation around disability, if you defi- look at the definition of it, it's horrible, right? And ADA disability covers a lot re- more range of people. It's people who are. Um, substantially limited by a major life activity, whether it's their immune system, sitting, reading, concentrating, compared to the general population. That opens up the, it's a lot more people than people who see themselves as having disability. That's why I call it ADA disability, or I call it health condition. Anyways, let's go back. So as an um, HR individual, when somebody came to me and that, you know, nobody, and one thing I always encourage employees to do is use the words request for accommodation. So, um, you know, by law, employers have to look when you don't use those words, but it makes it a lot easier. But I would get something in to, to request, you know, to process that accommodation. Well, we didn't have anything in place to do that. So I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't, you know, I, we cringed. I mean, we would deal with it, but we really didn't have that process in place in order to do that. So we kind of dealt with it like we did all the other employee relation issues. So that's what I think it is. I think it, it talks, it takes a lot of delving into and, and seeing how I, I think they, you know, I've talked to people where when I start talking about the ADA disability, they're like, wait a second, that's not what I thought the disability was. Um, so I think there's a lot of misconception, even what a disability is. I mean, I would say a big portion of our leadership has a disability. It happens all the time. I, I do some contract work with um, Center for Independence and with the kids who are have disabilities who are transitioning to the workforce or into college, we start talking about all this leadership that has disabilities that they, they don't talk about. Um, a major portion of the population, 60% of the United States population has a chronic health condition that would fall under an ADA disability. So, wow. yeah, so I think there's a, I, I, so that's what I think in my opinion. Um, and, but you are seeing more, you know, uh, um, 
data management systems in place. I love Optus, ADA, Interact. I mean, um, it's a standalone that employers can use, um, you know, and then a lot of benefit brokers are jumping on the bandwidth. But I think, too, it's not it's not black and white. And I'm not saying this other these other trainings that you're talking about are, are black and white either. But every individual is so individually different and their, their job responsibilities are different. Um, you know, the corporations are dealing with the, their interaction, their, their, the structure of their company. And so they're, the people with the companies with disability are trying disability inclusion. They're trying to actually make their whole entire workforce more inclusive by, you know, their bathrooms, their, you know, um, even their policies and procedures. So they are more flexible, you know, have a, a flexible workplace policy where they can work based on when they work the best. Now, not all companies can do that. Um, you know, if you're a, a grocery store, you can't, you know, let people work whenever they want or work from home. But um, really finding you ways know, to like make my, it Kind inclusive. of like my pod partner, kind of like my pod partner showing up late <laughs> for the pod, you know what I mean? Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think all it's just, accommodations. Yeah, so I think it's, it's one of those things you don't learn just once. And every time, and I do too, every time I, I do a podcast or I get an interview, or I'm writing or whatever, I, I learn all the time. So it, it's, it's a very, um, and it touches people, you know, um, you know, manager can have like my, my aunt has post polio syndrome. Um, I have, um, um, a niece that has, um, dyslexia, um, you know, and I have a nephew that had dyslexia, but they have some health conditions. Every, you, everybody can relate to somebody who has a health condition, but that doesn't mean that if they have an ADA disability that they need an accommodation at work either. So that's the misconception too, is that you're interviewing somebody in a wheelchair and that means they're going to need all these accommodations. That's not true. And in fact, people with disabilities who have been born with them are actually easier because they know how to manage their disability and what kind of accommodations. The harder ones is when they get a chronic health condition later on in life, they don't see themselves as, quote, having an, a disability that really has struggled with it and um, have difficulty knowing how to deal with it. So, um, or want to deny, you know, that their health condition could even fall under an ADA disability. So I, I think it's a big, big, big topic. And it's a scary topic for a lot of people. And um, I think it takes a lot of education and uh, leaning in, right? <laughs> we talk about the leaning in, you know, and listening and, and trying to understand. It does take time. And um, you really have to have somebody um, either on the outside, a third-party administrator or someone on the inside that has the time to do these processes and understands how that works and taking off some of this responsibility off the managers. Um, I had, uh, I was listening to one um a law firm and they, and I will use that word. They said, you know, fuck it, you know, train your fucking managers. You're getting lawsuits right and left because your managers don't know how to deal with accommodations. So yeah. that makes me think, why are we, you know, why don't we give them the tools they need to, to kind of look for that? But why are we making them responsible for having to process accommodation? It's, it, it takes a lot of time. And they're not really educated on how to do that, but they do need to be educated on what to look for. So I, I think the shorter 
Cheryl answer is a lot of employers don't give a shit and <laughs> and they see they see employees with disabilities as throwaways and anyone who kind of can't come in and just do the job exactly as it is doesn't have the value proposition and I, I think that's a huge problem with with corporate America so I hope you don't mind Cheryl I I uh I, I inflected myself into uh, into your thoughts. And that's okay. And I think there are those, but I also see these others that are like, oh my goodness, uh, we, you know, the ones that are really working on disability inclusion, um, I'm doing another certificate on it. And these individuals that are actually working on the disability inclusion are seeing like a 35% return on investment from working yep. with people with disability. It's absolutely crazy. I had no idea that that's a kind of turnaround when they are leaning in and looking for other, they're missing a huge pool of individuals with disabilities that can actually do the job that work really, really hard. But it may take them to um, think about some accommodations in order for them to work. But that's what I'm seeing for the ones that they're, they're you know, I, there's a company, um, CAI, um, they are a technology company and they have a huge portion of their company is um, on the autism spectrum and they they're doing fantastic. I mean, because they have the skill set that people are looking for. Now, they provide a training for the individuals on the autism spectrum, you know, with some of the social skills, but they're just blowing and going. You know, they found their niche. Now they're trying to be more dis disability inclusive with the employees that they have because they kind of miss out on these other eight ones with ADA disabilities. And that's what they're working on. But they're, they're seeing that. And that's what I'm seeing with the companies who are leaning into this whole disability inclusion and really taking a look at the skills, knowledge and abilities of individuals that really can do these jobs that they're missing out on. And I think that is a perfect note to wrap up this conversation on. Cheryl, um, we are going to share the link to your training um, on not just the show notes, but on our social media. And okay. if our listeners want to reach out to you, can you tell them how to find you on social media? Yes. Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn. It's Cheryl Ellis. Um, and on, um, sorry, let me look at this. Um, the Twitter, it's at AUG, A-U-G, H-R Solutions. Um, and then on Facebook, it's AUG H-R-S, which is A-U-G H-R-S. And they can also find my book. Also, I talk about Amazon being on Amazon, but I've, I'm try, I try to, the book is accessible to everybody. So, um, the, and so is the download of the employer workbook. So they can also get it at Ingram Spark, Apple Books, Smashwords, soon to be Barnes and Noble Nook and on Google Play. So I'm trying to make it as accessible in, in different forms and ways that they can, they can use it. Cheryl, awesome. you rode through like a boss. I appreciate that. You <laughs> actually really, really made it understandable. Like you expanded the tent and the umbrella under which we consider ADA, yet you mm -hmm. gave it to us in a format that was uh, extremely digestible. So thank you for joining Julie and I on the show. We appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me on Crazy and the King podcast. Show enough. You can tell your people about that right there. That's <laughs> I <beautiful>. will. <laughs> hey, so listen. Uh, we, I, I have one quick mention for, for those of you, because I, I talked about the All Lives Matter uh, folks at the top of the show. I want to close with Black Lives Matter and Fortune put together an incredible list uh, for individuals who are genuinely interested. And I know we we crack a bit of a joke and we want the 
uh, the show and the content to be uplifting and uh, a bit funny, if you will. Uh, But in all seriousness, there are people out there who might be saying all lives matter. People that genuinely do not understand why that may be a bit ill-timed and can be received as uh, less than genuine by some. Uh, And so for you who are interested, as Cheryl said a moment ago, willing to do a bit of work, willing to insert yourself in that educational pursuit, Fortune put together a crazy Uh, incredible list of books, organizations, people, resources, like an incredible list. And so we will make sure uh, that it is in the show notes. And one quick correction. It's not Julie who's late. I'm typically (laughs) the one who's late. I'd say we're 50-50. You got it. So name drops this week. Um, I've got one, uh, Teresa Stewart, uh, whose Twitter handle is Tay Zande Stan. And she shared her story about um, work at Cards Against Humanity. And as one of the only black employees, um, some of the serious aggressions and microaggressions that that she um, encountered while working there. And I think it was a really transparent and honest thread and eye-opening in the way that I think a lot of white people don't understand microaggressions, but then seeing her lay them out clearly, I think would help a lot of people. Um, and then one other name drop to my middle kiddo who graduated from high school last week as well. Super proud of her. And uh, who you got on the the name drop this week? Absolutely. I got to do my brother from Chicago, Mr. James Ellis, author and employee branding extraordinaire. His book drops on June 15th. Uh, It is Talent Chooses You, Hire Better with Employer Branding. Shout out to uh, Mr. James Ellis. I think his Twitter is War for Talent, something like that. We'll get it. We'll put it in there. Uh, but again, the book is on Amazon and it may be in some other places titled Talent Chooses You, Hire Better with Employer Branding. Listen, Julie and I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe. We want you to make sure you have a fantastic rest of the week. We want you to be supportive of those that are protesting peacefully uh, in cities all around the country as well as the world. They are not doing such just because. They have nothing better to do. They are doing such because they want to bring your attention to something that we've been saying for decades, centuries. And so if you decide that you want to take just a moment and listen, if you decide that you want to understand that life is far more important than buildings, then we can probably make a bit of progress. Catch me on Sirius XM, channel 126 at 1 p.m. this Sunday. I'll continue my series of talking to people on the ground in Minneapolis. We're doing good work, both here on Crazy and the King, as well as on Sirius XM. For now, Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.